Welcome to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz, business coach and digital marketer. We interview other owners and entrepreneurs about their stories and businesses. Welcome back to Subject to Change. I'm Stephen Lentz. Today I'm talking with Tom Antion with uh, The Millionaire Next Door. How are you doing, Tom? I am peachy, man. I'm glad we finally crossed paths. I'm excited. And I, I think I have flubbed. It's multi-millionaire next door, right? Yeah, multi-millionaire. <laughs> who, who, who counts after when you get as old as me? You know? <laughs> oh, has, okay. Has any part of your plan ever included having like the Scrooge McDuck money vault of like being able to swim through cash? No, no, it's no. all digital, <laughs> digital currency, right? Yeah, except I couldn't understand crypto if you held a gun to my head. Yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, I'm a guy next door. I mean, I grew up in a small town. I mean, my town still to this day is 500 people. That's what wow. it was when I left. And uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's called Claysville, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And it's named after the great statesman, Henry Clay. But he, I don't think he really slept there. His horse like took a dump there on the way through, and that was good enough for us. <laughs> we claimed it, <laughs> and we lived in the suburbs, so I lived totally in the sticks, you know. So uh, it was one of those places where the neighbors could kick your butt, you know, raised by a village, and wouldn't get sure. sued over it, you know. And mm-hmm. your handshake meant something, and you didn't mess up because everybody knew about it and would and correct you. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, my, I grew up military. Right. My family, yeah. we lived in Ohio for four years and yeah, the elementary school teacher, he'd spank you. That's- <laughs> yeah, spanking. Yeah, that, that person would never do that again for some reason, whatever they did. Yeah, and I love the military. Um, I I'm, happen to be an admin of a 15,000 vet, uh, member veteran group and I'm an wow. admin. I never was in the military, even, but I just we have a scholarship program in my school. Uh, for uh, military, first responders, law enforcement, your first responder, firefighter, you know, um, nurses and so forth. So we give a 50% scholarship to them. And I got invited to the White House uh, to talk about military spouse employment. Uh, and um, so, yeah, we're, we're very pro, pro-military here. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, I'm, I'm very curious. You'd mentioned previously before that you've never had a job. How... Well, actually, I, uh, Steve, I actually applied for one once. It, it said <laughs> it said uh, it said it had a four hundred one k, and mm-hmm. I thought, man, that's a good starting salary four hundred one thousand dollars. And apparently, that wasn't the case. <laughs> so I didn't that job. Yeah. So yeah. So um, you know, my podcast is called "Screw the Commute," based on the fact that I never had a job. And, you know, you can live two or three lives if you uh, if you're not in traffic, making somebody else rich all the time. I mean, I've been a charter pilot, freelance. I had a nightclub for six years where I had bikers trying to kill me for, you know, over 100 violent encounters and gunfights and knife fights and everything. And then when I got out of that, I started a practical joke company, like kind of like Candid Camera except mm-hmm. it was live you i had i ended up with uh, 35 people working for me we did custom design <laughs> practical jokes this is long before punked was around all those shows sure and um i've been uh done 3,000 speeches in 12 countries and uh and work out of my home just love it i've, I've worked out of my home for 45 years also <laughs> including when i had the nightclub because I lived above the nightclub. So technically I had a nightclub in my basement. <laughs> so. That's incredible. So how did you get started? 
Well, my dad was entrepreneurial. He came from Syria on a cattle boat when he was a couple years old. And um, he, he ended up putting the first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, had his own electrical contracting firm when he was 13 years old. This is way in the early you know, 20s, 1920s or so. And uh, so that's all I saw. I'm the baby of five or six boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's all I saw the whole time was entrepreneurship. He built the truck stop and he built cabins and all kinds of stuff. And so that was natural for me to uh, to just uh, you know, do that. I, I and, and I just can't imagine working for somebody that got there because of nepotism and they're idiots and they're telling me what to do. I'd be in jail by now. (laughs) It wouldn't last too long for me. Incredible. So what was the very first business venture that you did then? Um, I was uh, selling advertising specialties uh, door to door. Uh, And remember, we only had 500 people in the town. And I was, uh, but we had a little main street with little stores in it. So I was selling matchbooks and I would make, uh, I think it cost them $30 and I got an $11 commission, something like that. And then I sold my first used car when I was 15 years old and didn't even have a learner's permit. And uh, (laughs) then I, when I did get a driver's license, I sold encyclopedias door to door. Most of your generation, they've never even seen one, but there were 26 volumes plus the supplements and now it's on dvd or doesn't even you know it's all digital now i mean uh, i'm barely on a cusp but i remember the uh britannia encyclopedias yeah, yeah encyclopedia world book is what i sold mm-hmm. and uh won awards for you know being the best salesperson and and so um there was always something to, to to do something good for people and get paid for it like for instance i won't like if if you see the kids out in the middle of the road um with their football helmets begging for money. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put a nickel in that if you held a gun to my head. However, if they're doing a car wash, I'll get my car washed 10 times because what am I teaching that kid if I just throw money in that helmet? I'm teaching them to beg, yeah. basically, instead of give value to people. So, so uh, uh, you know, it was just old, kind of old school stuff because I, I'm so far over the hill, Steve, I, I didn't even remember going up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, I mean, from door-to-door sales and like direct response marketing, essentially to chartering your own flight, like how do you, how did you bridge that gap? Well, uh, in between there, I was uh, all state uh, football in Pennsylvania, which is kind of a hotbed for football. Sure. And I uh, was fourth in the, the, um, the state in heavyweight wrestling. And then I uh, got a football scholarship and I I had scholarships all over the place. In fact, I had my heart set on going to Penn State. And um, uh, you remember Joe Paterno, you know, a lot of controversy went on there in in late, but I mean, he's the big kahuna of football, Joe Paterno. Mm -hmm. So so, um, I was the only one that played sports in my whole uh, family. And so I'm sitting in Joe Paterno's office and my dad is in his seventies and, and he had been boning up on sports and stuff. He'd been reading the paper, trying to figure out all this stuff. And, you know, there's all these uh, recruiting violations and stuff. And, you know, the, 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 I'm sitting there in Joe Paterno's office. Oh, it gets worse. Uh, and so, um, you know, the college athletes are college athletics are covered by the NCAA national mm-hmm. collegiate athletic association. So my dad looked Joe Paterno right in the eye and he said, Joe, 
Is your school covered by the NAACP? (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to crawl into the table, but I ended up going to West, uh, I say West by God, Virginia. You have to say by God when you say West Virginia. Um, (laughs) Because it was closer to home and my parents were elderly and I needed to be close, but because uh, I'm the baby of the family, the only one took care of them. Um, so I played uh, major college uh, offensive guard uh, in the 70s, back before they had face masks, you know, the leather helmets. Right. No. no. <laughs> I've seen leather heads. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was a knockout artist. See, back in those days, uh, when you were blocking, you you could elbow people. Nowadays, that's a violation. You have to keep your elbows in when you're blocking, but not then. And so uh, the the linebackers would be trying to look at the the running back, right? And they'd never see me coming. I would just douche him right and <laughs> knock him out. <laughs> and then they start looking at me, and then the running back would go by. So it was a pretty good gig I had. <laughs> And then, any, uh, any given day, I'll take the, the guy giving the hits and taking them for sure. That's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so then when I got out, I had the, uh, I don't know, call me crazy, Steve. I got the brilliant idea to buy a biker's bar and clean it up into a really nice family restaurant and nightclub. Now, I don't know. Those bikers just didn't appreciate my efforts for some reason. <laughs> I was in over a hundred violent encounters. I was in two gunfights, knife fights, and and the two and this is in West Virginia. All right, so there was one state police and one sheriff car for three hundred square miles. All right, Whoa. it was it was every man for himself. I always carried a gun, and uh, and the the two shootings we had, the sheriff came out the next day. And he said, uh, hey, Tom, I heard you heard some excitement out here. I said, yeah. He says, did anybody get hurt? I said, well, they didn't hit me, but I, don't, I haven't seen them. And he thought about it for a second. He says, okay, be careful. That was the whole investigation. It's <laughs> gone. It's just top of the A-plus police. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> I, remember, I remember this comedian who was a, a police officer up in Maine or something. is in one car for hundreds of miles. And he said he got called about a lady uh, having a baby at home one time he said by the time i got there the kid answered the door (laughs) that's the way it was yeah that's the way it was so i i did that for six straight years and then um i was on my way to being a millionaire before i turned 30 Mm. and then 1988 the drinking age went from 18 to 21 wiped me out and i lost about four hundred thousand dollars 80s dollars 400,000 over a million now and um and uh the one the one thing that uh, stuck with my dad in me is you don't screw people over and so I owned a lot of money for all the inventory and the pizza ovens and all the stuff right and the the, the, the the building and so I went to every creditor and I said I don't I'm not going to go bankrupt if you give me time I will pay off everything I owe you of course, they didn't have much choice. I could have gone bankrupt, so they agreed. But I ended up paying all of them off. And if I went back there today, if they're still alive, they'd say that's the guy that didn't screw us. And that's the kind of reputation you want to you want to build. Yeah, absolutely. So where'd you go after that then? So you, well, you uh, selling right? Or I, you, you I stupid. Or? No, no. I just went out. I just lost everything. I lost everything. So I was living. Well, what happened was I went down to Florida uh, to 
this was seven days a week for six years. All right. This was a total commitment. And then boom, gone, everything gone. I was the biggest name in the state. It was the second biggest nightclub in the state. And then I went down to, uh, and it's kind of sedentary though, working at late night nightclub and sleeping half the day and then doing it again, six straight years. So I went down and played racquetball with my buddy, tore my Achilles tendon. That's worse than breaking your leg. And so I found out this other guy that was a partner on this other business we were going to go into didn't pay the health insurance. And so I had no health insurance. I, I couldn't walk for three years. Luckily, I had a buddy had a vacant house. So I'm living off, off credit cards on a vacant house on a mattress. And I'm watching a black and white television. All I have is a table and a black and white television, which I guarantee you've never seen. And none of your people listening have probably ever even seen one. And Candid Camera was on. And I'm sitting there doodling and a little devil sticking his tongue out at you. And I'm thinking, man, that people love that candid camera, but they can't really participate in it unless they're living in California and they get caught by the camera. So I came up with this little devil sticking his tongue out and came up with the term prank masters. And that's my federally registered trademark for my entertainment company. So I moved to um, Washington, D.C., and I still couldn't walk that great, but it was three years later and um, starved to death for six months. And the only, in those days, the only advertisement was yellow pages. So, so, so you had to wait for that to come out. And then I get jobs just enough, barely enough to get by. But then the Washington uh, uh, Times did a feature article. I did all these crazy, bizarre stunts, right? Not in good nature, but crazy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, I got a feature article in a major newspaper in Washington, D.C. So, boy, we started getting busy. And then um, the Washington Post picked up the article from the Washington Times, did a feature article. I started getting really busy. And then Associated Press picked it up. And I started doing radio and TV all over the world, Australian broadcast. Network. I did the Tokyo Today show. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And it went crazy. But we had the crazy acts i mean we had this guy that <laughs> does what's called a moonogram the message he's 450 pounds and the message was actually written on his behind <laughs> and uh, the people on the tokyo today show said what is the moonogramma what is <laughs> uh, you don't want to know and uh, but you know Stephen, every business has this technical difficulty so if he had two jobs in one day Somebody had to erase the first message and put the second message on. <laughs> so, so we had a, quite a turnover in that job. <laughs> but uh, I had all kinds of crazy things we did. And uh, I, I, I did this over-the-hill preacher routine where I would come in and do a last will and testament for you, comical, if you were 30, 40, or 50, you know, over-the-hill kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We had these caskets these uh, that we'd set up at your... Uh, house for the surprise party and these old looking dummies but i did one in um, a real fancy mall in uh, outside of, it's one of the, you know dc outside dc the suburbs some of the richest zip codes in the world and so i did this mall and i was up in the executive offices i did this over the hill preacher routine but i'm going in there and i'm dressed like a priest all right, so I'm walking through the mall and everybody's going, hello, father, how are you? And I'm, I'm just going along. <laughs> so, uh, and then the job went really good. Like, you know, you just feel great when it's, everybody had a blast. They were laughing and a good time. So on the way out, I'm thinking, 
I've always wanted to do this. So I'm dressed like a priest. I go into Victoria's Secret. <laughs> just, just a slow clap for you. Just <laughs> no. well done. <laughs> and I, and I, I pick up the slinkiest G-string kind of thing I can find in the place. And I take it up to the counter. Now, these young girls that work there are trained to say something about your, your purchase, right? And they are back against, they're sweating, they're like, oh, the, the, I don't know what to say. I guarantee this on a training video somewhere at Victoria's Secret. And she says, uh, my, my, uh, my cousin got that the last of a week and she, she, really, uh, she really likes it. I said, the altar boys are going to love it. And I walked out the door, <laughs> which is not as funny now <laughs> with all the stuff that's come out, but it was really funny then. And uh, so that was like uh, six straight years of doing these bizarre things, writing custom humor every day. But I was thinking, you know, something's bigger is out there for me. I didn't know if it was a movie or a TV show or what it was, but I was uh, in a bookstore and uh, I hit my head on a book and it was called Speak and Grow Rich by a lady named Dottie Walters. And so I read it. I said, this is perfect. I'm, I am got business experience out the wazoo and I'm funny as all get out. You put those together. That's high fee speaking engagement. So I took a consultation with the lady. She got me, wrote the book. She got me started at professional speaking in 1991. And uh, uh it took off like crazy. I was speaking all over the world. And then in 94, when the commercial internet came along, that's when I said, you know, you know, we're selling stuff at the back of the room, books and tape cassette tapes, which again, people haven't seen. And um, it was hard enough to sell them across the street, let alone around the world. So when the commercial internet came along in 1994, I said, I'm going to figure this out, man. This is cool. So I, I struggled. I kept speaking and trying to figure everything out and went two years without making a nickel online. And then I got some good training and then I started making money, 50 bucks, hundred bucks a week, 500,000. Now it's not atypical for $30,000 weeks uh, because there's the sky's the limit online. And uh, that took off and then people started begging me to teach them. So not only do I sell online, we have a retreat center where I'm recording this right now. We have a TV studio. People come in from all over the world to uh, study with me. So, uh, so yeah, it's been uh, quite a journey, but it's uh, never that dreaded job. That's incredible. <laughs> just, just phenomenal. What I mean, my mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hear that a lot. <laughs> it's very cool though. Just the serial entrepreneurship of like moving into the uncomfortable and just trying and working hard and grinding it out. Like, I feel like the overall message is that you never stopped. No, I never stop. And I still don't stop. I, I go by the, uh, well, my dad instilled it in me, but the Japanese principle of Kaizen, which is continuous improvement, and continuous learning. And this is brings up because you were a firefighter. Well, the reason I kind of got a connection to firefighters now is uh, I'm learning um, a lot of rope knots and stuff for mm -hmm. rescue and recovery and so i see a lot of firefighters teaching you three to ones and five to ones and yep. prussics and all these uh, pulley systems and everything so i happen to be seeing all that lately and uh, i'm taking up welding after not doing it since high school and just always learning 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 keeping your mind uh, straight because uh, 
you know, that, that helps reduce potential Alzheimer's and those things, things that you folks aren't worried about yet, but you know, the old parts are. <laughs> <laughs> I, now I'm super curious, why, uh, why the knots and the welding? Is it just like passion projects of being like, hey, I just want to learn something new or well, do you have something well, you want to get into? It kind of came through it because I have a 150 acre property I inherited up in Pennsylvania, right near Claysville. Mm -hmm. And uh, all these logging companies were, you know, trying to get me to buy the wood, right? But they're known to rape the place and leave it, you know, terrible. So, sure. so I, I hired an arborist to teach me about stuff. And uh, these uh, uh, Penn State uh, forestry people would go and walk the property and then report to me what they had seen all for free. And so I got a real interest in, uh, you know, what am I going to do about this, all this wood stuff? And so I got a chainsaw and I learned how to fell trees that are no good or hurting the other trees. And so that's kind of how I got into it. But then there's a lot of knots and stuff with uh, used in climbing. I'm not going to climb that the tree would probably you'd hear the tree screaming. <laughs> if I was climbing on, uh, but uh, cutting it down, pulling it down with ropes, what knots to use, what not. Like I ruined the rope the other day because I put the wrong knot in it put it under heavy tension and it ruined the rope <laughs> it was a synthetic uh, winch cord and i uh, tied a uh, uh what's it called a figure eight on a bite thinking i need to shorten this right rope yeah well, i did the rope in i just <laughs> it's terrible so uh anyway that's how you learn you got to try you know so uh, so that's kind of how i got it with the firefighters but i've always been a first responder advocate that uh, put your life on the line for us i'm going to do whatever i can to help uh, those folks that's super cool so what do you do with the tv studio well the tv studio is where i shoot my videos uh my in-studio videos because i shoot a lot of uh, uh location videos you know i go down to the beach or i go you know we're at virginia beach is where we're at now and um, then my students shoot uh we teach video here we teach them how to do it uh teach them to do the teleprompters and how to do in studio and then i take them into the field and show them how to shoot videos out and about that are marketing videos and uh, so we we use it uh, mostly for that uh don't we don't do any uh, live uh, live shots out of there i just do those uh, you know like like this um but uh you know video is really powerful so but most people don't know how to do it well i mean i have one video it costs uh well, we got estimates on how much it would cost to produce. It was from thirty-six to fifty-four thousand oh. dollars. We did it for three thousand dollars, and so far, it's brought in about thirteen million dollars. Wow. So, so, um, and and I had two guys working for me that are retired from Hollywood. See, I studied in Hollywood, uh, lighting and shooting stuff years ago, but then these guys retired and came and worked for me. So they wanted to learn speaking and stuff. And they were really, one guy was, uh, uh, worked on the original Star Wars uh, as an okay. editor, retired 25 years in Hollywood, and they got an Emmy nomination for his editing skills. So he worked for me. This other guy worked for me that was a, a promo, promo, a celebrity promo director. Everybody wanted him to shoot their promos. He's got every celebrity ever heard of. And he retired and, and uh, moved to Virginia Beach. So uh, both of them worked for me, and boy, did I learn like crazy from those those guys. So uh, so anyway, it's just really powerful medium. No, it's not the only medium like these podcasts. Uh, most of my podcasts are audio only because you can audio is the only medium where you can be learning or being entertained while doing something else. So the consumption <clears throat> is a lot higher 
uh, because they don't have to sit down and stop and watch the video. So mm -hmm. both of the mediums very powerful in different ways. That's very cool. And the we'd mentioned this off air as well, but what's the documentary about with you? Well, the documentary, uh, <clears throat> the lady that got me started speaking passed away. And she really was kind of a my left coast mother. She called me her right. She's from California, her <laughs> right coast son, because I would help her on all kinds. When she would do her seminars around the country, I would go for free just to learn. And again, my continuous learning and help her. And so when she passed away, uh, they asked me to speak at her memorial in Glendora, California, south of L.A. And so I spoke there and, you know, you meet all the people that are there and the uh, a documentary producer. Uh, I met for maybe two minutes, maybe. Hello. How are you? How are you? You know, they yeah. see me speak. Well, she started following me for a couple of years and then she approached me about it. Um, it can, I'd like to do a, a documentary called The American Entrepreneur and feature you. And I'm like, again, I thought, aren't you supposed to be dead? I mean, is this uh, some omen that I'm like near the end here and you want to get a document before I bite the uh, bullet? She said, no, no, you don't have to be dead. So uh, the, the story is basically my dad came from Syria, became an entrepreneur, turned me into an entrepreneur, and I've helped thousands of entrepreneurs. So uh, it's the American Entrepreneur. It's, uh, the trailer is up on Facebook. It's been seen lots of times. But the uh, it's supposed to they're negotiating with Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these so it's out of my hands at this point. But it's supposed to uh, premiere this summer. That's wild. That's very cool. Yeah. So what are you? What's like your main passion project right now then? Well, before I tell you that, I, I, I'm just so worried that the minute it premieres, then I drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working out now. To... Walk well, around knocking on wood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the passion project now is uh, I have the only licensed dedicated internet marketing school in the country. And I always thought that it's a perfect thing for people with mobility problems or disability problems. Mm -hmm. And so I decided uh, this is a perfect time when the pandemic hit. You know, I've been telling people for 25 years, you can work from home, but then the pandemic hits and everybody says, Oh, you can work from home. I didn't know that. Yeah. I said, yeah. So I thought this is a perfect time for me to, to roll this out. So I, I did a scholarship program uh, to put uh, five persons with disabilities through my internet school, hmm. because not only do they not have to kill themselves to get up and go to class somewhere, uh, they can legitimately learn from home, but then they can legitimately be hired from home or start their own business. So, and, and what I was thinking, you know, they say no good deed goes unpunished, right? So every time, so, every I'm, time. So I'm, I'm thinking mobility problems, right? Mm -hmm. No legs, people from service, things like two of the people in the program are blind. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Now I, I'm going to, I can't turn away. I got to grow and stretch and figure out how am I going to teach these people when they're blind <clears throat> and, and they are, they're shooting videos themselves. They got two videos better than I do up on uh, the GoFundMe campaign <laughs> for them. So they're very inspirational. You can't stop them. So, um, so that's the uh, program. And then I took a grant writing course, you know, Mr. Continuous Learning. So when I proved the concept that I can take people that were out of work and, you know, depressed, I mean, the, the depression is four times the normal, the suicide rate is four times the normal in the disabled community. If I can take these people, change their whole life around, 
then I can roll it out to big foundations and corporations and get and get funding to help hundreds of people. So that's that's my uh, current project. I mean, I've helped. I've fed. I fed. Um, I, I auctioned myself off one time, and I, I pulled in seventy eight thousand dollars in five minutes. And wow. uh, and I uh, <laughs> and I fed uh, two hundred and eighty eight homeless children for a year. So I'm really proud of that. And I rescued dogs all the time and things, you know, spent a lot uh, or made a lot of um, fundraising for uh, animal rescue. But this is something I'm going to change these lives of these people forever. And so I'm really proud to be involved in it. So so that's what I'm doing. Um, and, I, and I don't want to get out of here without talking about making your hobbies tax deductible. That's yeah. one thing that I've been teaching for a long time. And, uh, and it, it kind of rolls back into the, you know, I listened to one of your episodes with a guy that's uh, combat um, marketing or something. And he's a jujitsu guy. Mm -hmm. I, I heard his episode and, uh, and I was um, thinking about what I had done because I had been studying martial arts my whole life. But once you get to the nightclub level where people are trying to kill you, <laughs> it's not art anymore. <laughs> okay. It's real. And so I took uh, combat jujitsu and a lot of these jujitsu guys, I mean, some of the biggest names, I got my money back from their course because they kind of teach some things that are not real. Like they were trying to teach me in combatives to, uh, okay, you lay on the guy or the, uh, you tire the guy out. He's on top of you and you're holding him. So he, he gets tired out. I said, you know what? I'm going to pull my folder out of my right-hand pocket and disembowel the guy while he's trying to tire me, tie, tie me out. This is not real, mm -hmm. man. And there's no rules where I played because they were trying to kill me. They're trying to get me gone. And there was a drug route coming through that I kind of disrupted too. So that's even worse. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I got all these skills. I don't want to sound like Liam Neeson from Taken, the movie Taken, you know, I'm a with some skills, but I did. I had loads and loads of self-defense skills with no rules. And so I, um, and I kept it to myself because it's always good to have the surprise, surprise factor. Like you know, when I was a nightclub owner, I was the target. Some little, and the little guys were the worst ones. The little guys were sucked because <laughs> if they take me out, they're the big hero of the neighborhood. If I take them out, I'm the bully and get arrested there. See, so they were always trouble. But, but um, what, it, what happened was, is that when I started seeing all these crazy things where they're the knockout game, where they had to sneak up on somebody and punch them and try to knock them out with one thing, old people and carjackings out the wazoo. I said, you know, I need to roll this out for real. So, so I, uh, I took what was a hobby and a skill and uh, made a, a site called Brutal Self-Defense. And so it's really, really, really nasty stuff that you can do to another human being, only when necessary. But we talk about the legalities and the staying out of trouble and staying aware and all those things. So, so that's one, one example. Hey, who's that? That is my five-year-old. Bring him on, or her, whichever it is. <sighs> Say hi, Viv. Hi. Yeah, she's being shy. Thank you, sweetie pie. What's her name? Vivian. Vivian. Hi, yeah. Viv. Nice, nice talking to you. <laughs> Bye, sweetie. Close the door. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, they're good kids. Cooking yeah. delivery. So. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. where's mine? Where's mine? That ain't fair. Well, I'm uh, trying to push it through, but it's not taken. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
making your hobbies tax deductible. I've been teaching this to, for 20 some years to people because most families take their family interest or, or their hobbies, camping, golf, soccer for the kids, whatever it is, and just pay through the nose for whatever it is. No, uh-uh. You know, you, what you do is you put up a, an inexpensive website. You can put a world-class website up for 150 bucks. WordPress with a responsive theme. Responsive means it'll look good on cell phones and tablets. And then you can either make a product to sell or you can do an affiliate product, which means somebody else created the product. And if you promote it, you get a commission. Well, I, you know, I've, I've made lots of products in my day. So, and I'm a tennis nut. And I have the dubious distinction, Stephen, of being the largest person ever to create and star in a tennis training video. <laughs> it's, it's, called, it's called fatsotennis.com. You can see it up there. <laughs> and the, the trailer to it is me playing tennis and eating pizza at the same time. That's <laughs> so, awesome. I know. And so I have a two DVD set. It's like a $40 set. Some of it's funny because there's all these kind of gadgets. Uh, now, I don't know if you remember, there's a movie with Kevin Costner called Tin Cup, where he was a golfer, kind of lost his mojo. So he was trying all these gadgets to get back into playing golf. Mm -hmm. Well, so <laughs> for tennis, the idea is for me to run you to death, you young, fast guys, before I dropped it. <laughs> right? so, and do every trick in the book to not suck wind before it's too late. And so... <laughs> like on the butt of the racket there's like a, a suction cup you can put in so that you can push it down and pick the ball up without bending over <laughs> so so half of it is all these crazy gadgets and the other half is real the angles of the court that make the other guy run more where i don't have to run as much and then and then there's some dirty tricks like don't play on the side courts play in the middle courts because when the ball is laying on the ground, you can accidentally kick it and it rolls all the way to the side fence and you can walk slowly to breathe while you're in. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so I got to go to California to interview professional tennis coaches and all my ball machine and stuff is all tax deductible because we sell this thing. And that's the thing is that there's, this is beautiful because any develop any real country normal business like country your expenses are tax deductible from your income but you have to have an income you can't just you know have a hobby uh, technically a hobby and not bring in any money or the irs will disavow it but as long as you're bringing in some money even if you're losing some money it's still a business and you get all kinds of tax deductions so so i want to make sure everybody heard that because uh, you need to do that there's it's uh uh, you, you don't have to feel guilty going out and playing golf for four hours when you get the tax deduction. I love it. So I want to, I want to go back to the, what was it? Brutal, brutal self-defense, brutal yeah. self-defense. How's that different from like Krav Maga? Well, Krav Maga is, uh, there's Krav Maga moves in brutal self-defense, but brutal self-defense, uh, is way bigger because it talks about improvised weapons and, uh, I show you, I teach you how to fight with your belt and uh, there's ways, there's actual technique, belt fighting. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, hold on, I'm not a perv. I'll deal with you in a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
uh, just all kinds of interesting things and the improvised weapons. Like I, I can go to the dollar store. Now it's a dollar 25. But I go to the dollar store and I did it just on purpose. I, within uh, 20 minutes, I came out with like 20 improvised weapons. They're totally legal anywhere on earth. For instance, I don't know if you're married or not, or, but, yep. uh, but you have um, ladies have uh, nail polish and these little glass bottles that are kind of like a little pyramid that's mm -hmm. uh and so you hold one of them in your hand with the point the lid sticking out that's called a stinger and if you can carry it anywhere nobody's ever going to think twice about it but you lay that on somebody the the force multiplier by it being that little tiny cap and the glass bottle is not going to break it's really thick and tiny so there's like all that kind of stuff you could just you can have brake cleaner and shoot somebody in the face with it i mean when we teach um the proper use of uh, pepper spray. We actually like pepper fog better because pepper spray, you just, the guy puts his arm up and hits it and he doesn't even notice it, but pepper fog, you can't get through it. It's just surrounding you. And then you also use an S motion to dis, uh, disperse it, but you gotta watch where the wind is blowing. But uh, a lot of times I teach people, if you think somebody's behind you, get your pepper spray out and then behind you, just make a little act S and then you hear them coughing behind <laughs> and hopefully they were going to get you. <laughs> it was just an innocent person. Well, sorry. Couldn't sorry, ma'am. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so, so there's just all is far more than Krav Maga, I'll put it that way. And, and uh, uh, Krav Maga is not much into joint manipulation either. I was very good at that because in the nightclub, if I would bust people up, I'd be in court all the time. So I learned to put enormous amounts of pain on people with no bruising. And so, so, so if the judge was there and the guy saying, well, he really hurt me. Well, yeah, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. It really hurt judge. So you're off. Yeah. So, yeah, so I uh, did a lot of uh, uh, Aikido and combat Aikido and Kung Fu and stuff like that. So it's, it's a compilation of stuff. I started out in Shurinru Karate which was real hard stuff, boom, boom, boom. And walking in streams barefoot and breaking rocks with your hands and stuff. But now we never punch anybody. Because I still, you can't see it it's too, on the camera here, but it's still got a scar from somebody's tooth from 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we never, plus I carry a gun and um, you don't want to break your hand, which is easy to do if you're not a, an experienced fighter. So it's all open hand. But you can do some serious damage with an open hand to somebody's ear, jaw, um, and then you can uh, up, you know, where they can't see it coming to their chin and then go for the eyes, scratch the eyes out. So, um, like I said, it's, it's far more comprehensive than just Krav Maga, but Krav Maga, uh, we love, we love it for what it is. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. So did you, how, how far in these other disciplines did you progress to be able to compile your own or did, did you hire out like other experts to help you put this together? Uh, I just, uh, one of my teachers, I invited to help teach the class, but mm -hmm. it was me developing the whole thing over. I mean, I, I went to high school as far as I went. I don't remember what belt it was even. I was never a black belt or anything in karate, but, uh, but I really got my honed it in the nightclub days with those violent encounters I had mm -hmm. and my awareness went through the roof. Well, the, the major college football was good too, because 
I had a lot of fights with my own team because most of them were potheads and, you know, cut in line. <laughs> and so I, I, out of 31 people in my freshman picture, only six of us graduate. You know, college football, I've never watched a game since because uh, I know what goes on behind the scenes. And I was kind of a poster child because I could talk and read and, and things like that. And so they would put me on the news all the time. But, but for the most part, they didn't care. It was just a big money machine. And uh, sure. Uh, but I got tough because I'd be fighting with these guys on the field, you know. So and in high school, you know, who cares? Major college. <laughs> anybody can kill you i mean it's serious uh, serious uh, these guys could run these guys six foot nine could run a four nine forty yard dash i mean and bench 480 pounds you know so it was, it was a serious serious play play time then um but then it was just uh you know six years of being in constant fear of you know death you know they blew up my car with shotgun blast double off buck and, and uh burned my sign down and so um, I remember kicking this guy one, so many times one time he hit under a truck <laughs> and, and I had, uh, and I had a rule and it's funny because now I kind of have a, a beard, but I had a rule. I never trusted anybody that drove a van or had a beard. <laughs> it was just always trouble. And so one night I'm closing up, I'm by myself in a dark parking lot and a van pulls up and all the guys get out, have beards. And I'm like, oh, man, this is terrible. <laughs> and I slip immediately. <laughs> so I carried this. I mean, I, they went running. They must have thought I was the devil incarnate because I had this thing by uh, Heckler and Koch, H&K, which was uh, for a boat. It was a flare gun for a boat that was like a pistol grip and had a magazine in it. So it was like eight flares in this magazine, but no barrel. Okay. It's just cool. supposed to shoot it up in the air. Sure. <laughs> I was shooting it sideways at these guys just going, psh, psh, psh. and it looked like the devil is shooting things out of his fingertips and they jumped in the van and left it and never saw him again. <laughs> so, so that's the, like I said, there's lots of stuff besides cross Krav Maga that you can do to defend yourself. And most of it's in your head. You got to just be aware of what's going on. And, um, you know, we did head butts and, you know, all kinds of chokes and, uh, back when i was doing karate then nobody was choking anybody unless you were a judo guy but uh since everybody's seeing the rear naked choke nowadays that's it's very prevalent so you got to know how to get out of it and how not to get into it in the first place and how to put it on put them nighty night but don't kill them you know, unless you really need to yeah so it's just and there's a lot of legalities to it too because the bad guys don't care about the legal stuff but the nicer you are and the more substantial you are the more you have to lose. So you kind of care about life where a lot of these people don't, don't think twice about life. You know, so yeah. so it was an interesting time, colorful past. I had. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And one, one last thing that I think, I don't remember if it was, we mentioned before, but you said something about butt camp. Yeah. Butt camp. <laughs> what, well, what, what is butt camp? <laughs> but, butt camp. Um, yeah, it does have a crazy name, but remember, I was coming out of a uh, four thousand comic presentations in my practical joke company before I got started in speaking and then in the internet. So I have a comic background, and my speeches are very funny. In addition to being good content, mm -hmm. so 
people started begging me to teach my internet stuff. When they see you making all this money and doing so successful, and this was Wild West, nobody knew what was going on, but I had kind of figured it out. Then um, they started begging me to do a, do a boot camp. And I'm saying, oh, man, I can't do Everybody does a boot camp. I can't do a boot camp. And I'm sitting there making this money, and I'm <laughs> sitting on my rear end. And I thought, you know what? I'm sitting on my rear end making all this money. I'll call it butt camp. And it caught on, and I've done them in 11 countries around the world. <laughs> and it's the longest continuously running internet seminar ever. And uh, But in London, they made me call it bum camp instead of butt camp. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome yeah so, so that's that, is that still ongoing yeah it's still ongoing it has we haven't done a live one since the pandemic but i'll probably do an on uh an online one here pretty soon but yeah it's been running continuously since around ni- uh, late 1996 you know where there was about three of us back in the day and i don't know what happened to those guys but i'm still here that's cool <laughs> so I mean, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Is it just you or do you like, do you have a team or are you hiring people? Yeah, like, no, is- I got, yeah, I have uh, people that work for me. I have, I have contractors and I have uh, employees, not a lot as many as I used to, because I'm really um, good at automation. And in fact, I want to give your listeners, if they really want it, uh, uh, an ebook on uh, how I automate myself, because I've, I've handled as much as 150,000 subscribers and 65,000 customers just with the techniques in this ebook and they're free or cheap, you know, so there's just nobody taught you these things. Mm-hmm. So if you are in business, you can spend more time with your prospects and customers than fighting with your computer. If you just would like less time in front of the computer, these, these techniques are just massively powerful. Uh, for instance, I, uh, I have this program called short keys and they're for, that's for the PC for the Mac. It's called keyboard maestro. And, I was complaining to this young kid I had working here, but I have to type the same answers over and over because I get the same questions from people all the time. So he said, ah, shut up. Yeah, he's always a smart actor, <laughs> but I, I always listen to him. You know, wait do you hear what, where he's at now. Um, and so he came back with short keys and I can hit two keys and it would type in 20 paragraphs of answer that fast. And so we estimated it a couple of years ago that, uh, it's saved me probably about seven and a half million keystrokes, maybe 8 million by now. Cause it was a couple of years ago. And so there's, there's no reason for you to be cutting and pasting and typing. If you have to do the same stuff all the time, you just hit two keys and boom, it's, it goes and keyboard maestros for the Mac short keys is for the PC. But the kid I was just telling you about, we, we hire high school kids sometimes, um, just sold his third startup. He wrote an article in Forbes because he attributed to me starting him in business. And he just sold Pluto.tv. Don't know if you ever heard of it. It's kind of like a Hulu uh, kind of thing. $340 million to Viacom. It's all verifiable online. And I, I told him, hey, you, next time I come to LA, you're buying dinner. You, <laughs> you kids. So, so, uh, so yeah, these young, we, we recruit young people. I, t- I tell people, uh, you know, wake a kid up from his nap at preschool, you know, and he'll help you with your computer <laughs> because they're so uh, tech savvy nowadays. So we keep young people around that are very tech savvy. And, uh, and you know, like for instance, one of my students uh, nicknamed me the king of Kaching because my computer goes Kaching when an order comes in. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted the ringtone on my phone to be ka And I thought, 
eh, it'll take me all day to figure this out. They gave it to a young woman in the office and she came back in 10 minutes and it goes ka-ching. Do I know how she did it? No. Do I care? No. Does it go ka-ching? Yes. Call me. <laughs> so so uh, it's really handy, you know, people that are struggling with online businesses, trying to figure out everything on their own and fighting with their computer. There's so many shortcuts on the computer that makes you just lightning fast so you can spend your time creating products and services and handling prospects and questions and taking care of customers rather than fighting with your computer. So anyway, if they like a copy of that book, we sell it for 27 bucks, but it's yours free because you're listening to to subject to change um, at screwthecommute.com slash automate free. Screwthecommute.com slash automate free. That's awesome. We'll throw it in the show notes too. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, Tom, before we end, is there anything that you wish I'd asked you or wanted to revisit before we close it? Well, you know, I'm a, a total into business and everything. And a lot of people are hating their jobs and, and they're getting a taste of working from home, but they're still kind of under the thumb of the, the company. So if you want to get into to, uh, online business, do digital stuff. I mean, it's very low risk. It's 97% profit. You have eBooks. We're doing an eBook mastermind starting uh, uh, next week. And uh, online courses are all 97% profit. And so you can mess up really bad and still make money. So if you'd like to do that as a side hustle to get started, my my uh, goal with my students is to make it too expensive for them to go to work because the time they put into their creating their digital stuff uh, is exceeds what they could make at work. And then that's the time when they say, take this job and shop. I love it. That's awesome. Well, man, Tom, it's been phenomenal. Thank you again for <laughs> being on the show and everyone else. Thank you for listening to subject to change. My pleasure, man. And I look forward to having you on Screw the Commute. Um, I'm excited for it. Thank you for listening to Subject Change. Please like, subscribe, leave a review of our podcast. And if you have any questions, if there's a business you would like to see featured on our podcast or a niche or something you want to learn about, drop us a message or an email and let us know. Be happy to, to interview someone and answer those questions. Thanks again for listening. 